Freddy Krueger here, a.k.a. Robert England, and you're listening to Horror Business. Greetings, salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to another inappropriately festive episode of Horror Business. So today is <coughs> January 1st. 2018, 2018. year of This is the first day of 2018, which could be great, could be terrible, we don't know. Probably going to be terrible. But, you know, we watched Christmas movies with the idea that we would record and release... A Christmas episode. A Christmas episode. And... I'm not of the opinion that you need to release a Christmas episode before Christmas, actually. I'm fine with post-Christmas. Yeah. But I wasn't... I think neither one of us were planning on the new year. Life gets in the way of living. Yo, here's the thing. Let's, ju- let's just remind everybody. This is a free fucking podcast, yeah. all right? You know, we do what we can do here. Yeah. I got we're- a bitty life. My, ba- my baby has an ear infection. Justin's taking over the world. He's macking on every lady in the Lehigh Valley. He has a family. They do family things. It's like a real family. I would actually say that both of those things are hardly true. <laughs> the point being is that we I'm had related stuff, to people and I talk to women on. occasionally. We had stuff going on. We did. We do. But that being said, today's two movies are going to be Christmas themed. Uh, we're going to be talking about 1980s Christmas Evil. Christmas Eve. And then 2000, was it 2016 or 2017? I think that was a 2017 release. 2017's Better Watch Out. Yeah, I think it played, I think it premiered at Fantasia Fest. Not Fantastic Fest, but Fantasia Fest in Fantasia Montreal. Fest, yes. Um, and there's a review of it actually on this very website, cinepunks.com, uh, by Billy Ray Bruton. Uh, I think you'll find that um, we both have... Our own takes separate from Billy's, and uh, I think we'll even have takes separate from each other, which will make for yes, an interesting listing. But you'll have to listen yes. to find out what that is. Um, we also, uh, I mean, I, we should do a retrospective in 2017 at some point, within a reasonable amount of time. Soon enough. I, I honestly, can I be honest about this? The retrospective, we're going to do it. Yeah. I feel like I need to watch more horror. I feel like I've watched a lot of, I've caught up, thanks to this podcast, and thanks to the amazing uh work of exhumed films which i didn't go to every exhumed film things but i went yeah. to a few and i went to some things at the mahoning so i've definitely caught up on some old stuff it's not like horror hasn't been a part of my life it's always a part of my life yeah but i don't feel as stoked on new horror i feel like you've watched a lot more than i, I have. have i have i can send you a list of stuff that i've watched that i that i enjoyed i have a top 10 and i have an honorable mention obviously the honorable mentions is much longer than the top 10 i definitely have a top 10 for the year and there are definitely, I, in fact, I posted today, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I posted a top 20. I've already had to edit it five times uh, since I posted it. I posted it at 10 a.m. and I've edited it five times. It's, it's now 4 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably have to edit it again if I actually care. I might just stop editing it. I My top 10, I think, for the movie of Normie films, I think the only difference is like, um, like The Shape of Water is going to be my number one. Sure. Um, it is going to be my number two. And then it's just gonna mixture of like it's like a, it's like it's largely the the it's largely the taste of a child. It's like horror movies, the disaster artist, and then like superhero movies. 
I mean, to be fair, if 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 you guys get a chance, we did a we did a top uh we did a, like a favorite movies from Cinepunk's contributors. My five on that list is already wrong. I might go into the piece and edit it myself <laughs> just to make it more like what my thing actually is. But a lot of our writers who write about obscure and interesting films all the time, you know, they themselves had lists that were pretty accessible and, and i'm not saying that to insult them i'm saying part of that might be just their taste you you might assume because someone watches or writes about a lot of like john waters or other sort of random stuff that they don't like big tent things but a few people that's what they actually wrote about i mean even josh who we talk about all kinds of obscure stuff on cinepunks his list was mostly like bigger films the bigger hollywood yeah, films, yeah, yeah. um and weren't some of the smaller films he saw this year they just didn't click with him the way that the bigger films did i don't think there's anything wrong with that and for some people i think it's also worth acknowledging um a few people only feel like their top list should only be things they saw in the theater and so like uh for example uh lb said you know she only wrote up stuff she saw in theater um as part of her list because the rest was more like home viewing even yeah. if it's a new movie I, that's a certain commitment and it affected sort of what her list looked like as well. Uh, but where she lives, she doesn't get like, you know, for example, not that he ever did it cause he's a lazy piece of crap, but Joe Yannick was going to do it. His list would be much different. He lives in New York. Yeah. Yeah. So his th- in theater, I'm just going to the movies experience is different than someone who lives, you know, in the Rio Grande Valley, Texas, just different things come there. Yeah. So she might get a chance to see some of the same movies we do, but only because of the internet or streaming or, you yes. know what I mean? Um, so even in the Valley, we have a better selection than her and our selection is nothing like New York. Or... No, we're not, we're not, we're not big city fat cats around here. Don't get me wrong. I would love to be a big city. Fat I, cat. I mean, I'm content being a fancy boy, but I'm not a big city fat cat. Oh, I would love to be a big city fat cat. In fact, if you have a position open for big city fat cat and you would like to have me come in, I'll come in there. I'll have a fucking monocle. I'll wear the goddamn top hat. Like I, I will be the... accuse Liam of, of doing. <laughs> I would do it for access to movies. I would do it. Um, okay, so I think I think we can commit to next episode. We will have a finalized our favorite horror movies thing. Yes, and we'll record it in the next couple of weeks. We won't make you wait forever. There That's, are a few things that ma- that made that list. I do want to talk about. Um, sure, I mean we're going to do our. You have a question to ask me that that you always. Ask. I do, but so, before but, but before I do, okay, we should let you know that this episode is brought to you as always by the fine folks, specifically Christopher Reject at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. The thing about Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is that... And there are um, many things. There are many things. But one of the things we want to highlight for you is that they are creative, professional, and personable. Yes. I should have made that three Ps. I should have made it three Ps, and I couldn't think of a synonym for creative that was a P. Well, most of them are personable. Chris Reject is... I mean, he's a human monster. He's a fucking lobster. He's good at hiring humans. Yeah, his staff is fun. Yeah, and he hired them. So he knows. Yeah. And they do good work. Yeah. But he himself is a monster. Look, I've talked to far too many people who go to uh, com. They just go to whatever bullshit corporation site, put in their JPEG, and fingers crossed they get something back they can actually sell to people. Yeah. That's some bullshit. You want to go to professionals? And... Uh, you know, here's assuming you even have a JPEG. Maybe you need help developing your design. They're going to help you with that. You can go to the office and you can walk in 
Sure. You could walk in. Sure. Just fucking shove Chris out of the way. Just yeah. go right to, right to my man Brad's desk and say, hey, man, I need this. And he'll sit down with you. He'll patiently. He's such a nice guy. He's so friendly. He's so personable. He'll be like, yeah, you know, you, you brought me this sketch of like, like this seagull moshing, you know, cause for your, for, for your band that sounds like youth of today. The hat isn't backwards. Could you think about maybe putting the hat on backwards and you're like, fuck. And he's maybe add some sunglasses too. That's what Brad would do. He would, for your Youth of Today inspired band, he would give you a seagull wearing sunglasses, wearing a, a backwards hat, moshing on the boardwalk. Because I'm assuming you're from the Jersey. I'm assuming you're yeah. from Brick, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, that's how that's they they work with you. They're, they they're 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 not just like okay, this is your JPEG. Cool, I'm gonna put it in here. Here's a screen print. They actually will tell you like I think this could work better. I think right. it would work. Uh, I think it would work better with this font. I think yeah. that, I don't think the color combination would work. They actually give a shit about the stuff they They've do. They've got access to a variety of t-shirts they do a variety of ink uh deals they can even hook you up if you're like i need something but i can't pay top dollar they can hook you up with some trash ink specials i personally love the trash ink the the most recent cinepunk shirt is on the light trash ink which means i saved a little bit of money on them and they even fix up the design it was one design and then they added a border to it and highlighted a little bit and now it looks totally different it looks a lot better it pops it fucking pops it wasn't popping before nope. and now it's popping all right so you need to get on that shit look Look, maybe you're not in the Lehigh Valley and you're like, well, I can't go to the office. doesn't matter. We live in the modern world. Do it over email, There's this man. thing called the fucking internet, okay? Yeah. You can look, you can go there, and I'm talking, I'm talking to the people who have podcasts all across the country. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking, you go there, you can, you can, and even if you don't have a podcast, literally if you have something like. Maybe a group of friends, they get together. A cereal eating. They league. get together at your house in the basement. And maybe you guys all take your shirts off. And uh, maybe you take pot shots at each other. Maybe you fight each other. And maybe the first rule is you're not really supposed to be telling us about yeah. this organization that you're a part of. And maybe, maybe this club is the most overrated cultural phenomenon oh of the easily 90s. yeah 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 maybe, maybe it's actually a film that completely misunderstands the book and gets and every... then everyone misunderstands the film yeah then everyone gets the emotional tone completely wrong of yeah. the entire thing horrible meanwhile chuck palaniuk is fucking crying into his milk and we're not shit. saying we're not look look anyway if you have that phenomenon they'll print shirts you for need you. a shirt yeah but it needs to be subtle because you're not supposed to tell anyone about this organization exactly yeah that's the first rule chris, of this organization. Will, chris will work with you yeah he'll complain the whole time too oh my god i hung, out with, I, I hung out with chris on, on on christmas eve i was supposed to go and i didn't end up going because um the being a parent uh for me right now means not interacting with humans i wish i was a parent <laughs> oh my god how is not how is wood. how is christmas eve with chris yeah a nightmare so yeah, just go to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. I don't understand why I keep seeing friends of ours who I'm not going to fucking name names. I keep seeing you guys with these cool shirt designs, and you're doing these. You're doing. You're 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 you're, you're doing. You're sending the work out to these t-shirt companies that are that you should be doing. You should be supporting independent businesses, local business, local. But well, I mean, yeah, we'll go there. <laughs> local businesses, um, small so the, time. Yeah. So www. Barely professional. Vi- Barely or very? Oops. Both. Both. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So go to www.xlvacx.com. Chris Reject. I, I will fuck the last words out of my mouth in this realm before I fucking leave for Neptune or wherever I'm going to go after I die. Chris Reject is not and never has been straight edge. He's not. He's not. The website was just a, he a had, lie. He had to. He has two edgemen working for him. That's true. That's true. Two very men with powerful edges. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, Liam. Yeah. What have you done recently that involves horror movies? I just got to name it. Not very much. 
not very much. I, you know, we had the two films for today's episode. Yes. I watched some, uh, I revisited some Asian horror recently that I hadn't watched in a long time. Uh, okay. 2LDK. Okay. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a part of this dual series, came out in the early 2000s. Two roommates who are also rival actresses get in an argument, and the argument escalates into like some super gore stuff. And then, uh, and then I also rewatched Suicide Club, uh, a movie that in college I hated. I actually was like, of the, you know, Suicide Club came out during the whole Asian horror explosion. You know, like there was already great. Japanese horror. There was when you say Asian great. horror explosion, do you mean like actual Asian horror or like the weird Asian horror remake explosion that happened? Well, it, it came out dead in the middle. Okay. The the Asian, the ja- Japanese horror had already started taking off right in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Suicide Club's 2001. So it, it sort of is dead in the middle because all the remake jaunts are coming out like 2002, 2003. Gotcha, gotcha. So I think it's like sort of in that time period. Um <clears throat> And when I watched it, you know, I've actually since then come to love this director. Uh, uh, what is his name? Cian Sono. Uh, he's done other movies like Cold Fish and oh, um, cool. some other things. So he's a great director. At the time, I didn't know him from anything. And I had already seen things like The Eye and Tale of Two Sisters. I mean, to be fair, to put this in a time, I didn't see this in 2001. I saw this just as I was leaving college. So it was probably the end of 2002. Um, but the point being is that, um, uh, it didn't hit me at the time. It wasn't, it didn't have the excitement, the edge that some of those other movies mm. had. And now rewatching it, I was so fucking dumb. And I actually love this experience. I should actually, I, a lot of people have done this. This isn't a new idea, but I've thought about reigniting or making my own version of one of those comps where you rewatch shit. Yeah. Which can go positive or negative. I'd rather do it positive, but it could be negative too. But yeah. a movie like that where I really, it felt so light and so dumb to me when I was in college. Like, this is just a stupid movie. And watching it now in the ambiguity and the mystery of it and the unwillingness to nail it down thematically really clicked. And I was like, this is a brilliant film. Hmm. It was really super interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting. And I really appreciated it. Cool. Uh, the other thing I've watched, and you watched it too, so this will be a good transition for you as well. I watched a movie called The Lure. Yes, not about me. No. The Lure, not The Multiple Lure. times when I write it, when I went to write it, when I went to write The Lure, I was going to write The Lure, hmm. about, and then be like, oops, uh, not no, Justin. Not Justin. <laughs> He's not a mermaid. Uh... That remains to be seen. I was going to say, I don't know if I'm sold on that. Uh, what did you? How did you feel about that movie? So, um, for those of you who don't know, it's it's manages to both be a tonally insane, uh, almost semi musical disco musical sex romp, but also <laughs> a it. fairly faithful retelling of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid. More I would faithful s- than the Disney version that we're all familiar with. I would say more faithful than any version I've seen, at least thematically. Okay. You know, um, which is great. And it's certainly not like my favorite movie of the year or anything. Ah, actually, uh, it's a, another movie that I would probably, if I could redo my list. Here's the thing. It's a 2017 li- uh, movie for a lot of people because it played here in theaters. It was actually made in 2015. Yeah, that's 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 been so a point of contention for a lot of lists I've seen. Is I've seen it on a lot of lists, though, because it didn't really play theaters here till this year. So, no, it only got the Criterion release in, what, November? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So... Um, 
it, if I decide to add it to my 2017 list, it'll be in my top 10, I think. Uh, at least top 20. Uh, I liked the music. I thought it, it vibed well. I liked the ambiguity. Like, the songs were positive from the mermaid's point of view, but then would have, like, dark tinges. Like, there, there's a sense in which... I don't want to get too into it because I'm going to ruin it for you, but there's a sense in which the family knows that they're basically using these two mythical creatures. Really? There's a sense that they're using them? Well, but that the movie gives you that they are aware. It's really interesting. There's sort of foreboding from them. Yeah. And this, and the feeling they have that this isn't going to go well, but you also get the mermaid's perspective, which is sort of like, we're having fun, but I also kind of just want to murder people. So that's kind of a tension between them. Like I want to get married. I want to eat human flesh. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I found it charming. Um, it's not super deep, but I, I liked the way it looked. I liked the music. And I really liked the effects. It never got corny in a way that could easily get corny. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was into it. What did you think? I really liked it. The only, in fact, I'll say the only thing that I didn't like about it was the, uh, it fell victim to the uh, Hollywood punks. It's portrayal of punks. Uh, what, what punks? Well, punk ish. Like the scene door towards the end with fucking. Uh, Oh, who cares? First of all, these are Euro punks. So well, they're Euro alternative people. So Euros are always a weird bunch. Very and true. Very the lead true. singer is like a merman. I was just, you gave it away. It's fucking Lord Triton. So yeah. Yeah. It broke his horns off. Yeah. So I'm into it. I thought that part was cool, actually. But I see what you're saying. There was a part of me watching it going, does anyone actually think this is extreme? And then I, but the, the movie is actually set during communist Poland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I'm thinking, well, actually, there's people right. risking their lives right now. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's kind of an extreme. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess what what I've done, uh, semi-involving horror. Speaking of creatures from the water, fucking people, is I saw the shape of water. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I bawled my eyes out through most of it. Um, it's funny. I went, I went and saw it with uh, with Alexis from LVAC, and at the end. I was like, "Fuck!" I hope. She, and I looked over, and she's just like red-eyed, yeah, and, ball, and crying as well. So you didn't have to feel. What you mean is you didn't have to feel bad that you were doing that. No, I mean it was it was it was uh it was just like just a fucking beautiful movie. Yeah, like just one of those movies I just watched, and I was just like, it made me feel so happy, and like all the performances were like out of the park. You know, Sally Hawkins should get should she? That's like best actress right there. Um, Michael Shannon was horrible. Richard Jenkins was amazing like doug jones as always you know one of my favorite creature performers like i don't think that guy gets enough recognition for um for what he does and what he brings to the yeah. roles yeah um i mean and it's weird because i know there's a, a a joke that was made with a you know friend of the podcast and former guest andrew mccardle how this was like del toro's way of tricking universe and letting him make a ape sapien prequel um but i can't even say that because uh, I, doug jones is such a amazing actor and what he brings without talking the creature didn't remind me of Abe Sapien at all except the, that it was like a vague fish man and ate eggs um its mannerisms were different the way it moved was different um everything about it was different and I, I think that really speaks to Jones's ability to uh to bring to a role um what he does without 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 talking a lot of the times sure what else have I seen horror-wise? Oh, uh, I'll go back. The most recent... Uh, late last night, I watched a little movie called uh, Sam Was Here on Shudder. It's a Shudder exclusive. Yep. Uh, 
I know a lot of the reviews I read, people didn't like it because they felt it was like open ended, and they felt that it didn't it, it it didn't wrap up very tightly. What I'll say is that it reminded me of um, if Rob Zombie could make the movie he was trying to make with Thirty One. Sure, it might be something like Sam was here, and maybe right. if like David Lynch advised him on it. Right. Um, so just check it out. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a great way to to begin 2017 or. Or to end 2017, begin 2018. I, you know, I, I saw another horror movie I wanted to ask you about. I forgot I watched this. Uh, Creep Two. I haven't seen Creep Two yet, but I want okay. to because you, my, my feelings. I don't want. Creep I don't want well documented. I don't want to get into it. Okay. Until you've seen it, then. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um. Yeah. I saw Mayhem. I, you know, I saw Mayhem, so I would like to go back and discuss that with you now. What did you think of Mayhem? I really liked it. Okay, talk to me about that. Uh. I don't know if it was maybe my lingering like, oh, this is what I wanted Stephen Yen to do oh, to so fair. many yeah, people yeah, in The yeah. Walking Dead. Fair, 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 fair. I, I, I've, I've always said that I felt that Glenn was the one who was always getting like walked over and like, you know, and to just see him spend 60 minutes out of 90 just fucking taking names and like brutalizing people who deserve it. Um and I mean, aside from the fact that if you're like a gore hound, this movie might be your thing because there is a lot of like brutal kills in it. Um, or not brutal kills, brutality. We'll say. Uh, I also think that unintentionally or not, it was a, it was a, it was a, a, a thinly veiled commentary on like corporate culture, how like they so casually threw this guy into the bus for no real reason, and uh, you know, it kind of takes it to the extreme where he's like, okay, like I'm going to literally kill my boss and get away with it because like that's what capitalism is. Is like it's a, it's I'm it's literally in this in this specific case cutthroat. Um, and I appreciate that. I, you know, I, you know, unintentional or not, I enjoy any time that like there's like social commentary in a horror movie. Um, uh, I don't know how I felt about the sort of weird love story that was in it. Like that actress is fine. It was the actress who was in the babysitter. I think she's also in three billboards for those of you who've seen three billboards yeah. and she was in, um, something else I saw recently. Mm, not game of death, but I don't remember. I just, I, I just, I, 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 there was like a sex scene that I was just like. That felt superfluous. Super superfluous. And like, it was just eye rollingly bad. Her character also at times, uh, I think flirts with like the manic pixie dream girl. Yes, sort of thing. very much, very much. But I think the film is trying not to do that. Like, I don't think they want to do that. I just don't know that, that our man, what's his name? Joe Wilson? Uh, Derek Cho. No, 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 no. The guy who made the movie. Uh, Derek Cho. Joe Lynch. Oh, Joe Lynch, that's what it is. <laughs> you asshole. Uh, I just don't think Joe Lynch is that great a writer. No, this movie's not. I mean, so I think I think he's doing the best he can to try to make her a character and not just like a whatever. Yeah, but he's just not. He's not good at adding depth. I mean, everyone here is kind of over the top. I, I I just think like you. For me, it was like I don't really find any of these characters completely convincing but i don't really need to to just be like well they're killing each other like, that was really cool when the dude like uh, not to give it away although i think it's in the trailer so i'm not even sure if it counts the pepper spray scene sure that was that was a scene where i was like oh fuck that was like, jesus christ um no but it was fun it was a good you know a good goofy horror movie mm -hmm. um i had a good time watching it uh i would definitely recommend it and um the fuck else did I see that that could be? Oh, I don't know if this could technically be considered a horror film, although it evoked in me a feeling of horror. Uh, I saw a ghost story. Sure. Did you see it? 
Uh, I have not watched it yet. It's on my to-watch list. Um, I stopped at my parents' house the night after I watched it, and I was like telling my dad about it. My dad's like, that sounds like hell. I was like, yeah, that's the whole... My dad's like, it literally sounds like the Twilight Zone episode where the guy goes to the casino and he wins the whole time. And he's like, yeah, this is getting kind of boring. I thought heaven was supposed to be fun. And the guy's like, who said you went to heaven? <laughs> um, no, but I, I watched it, and it was beautiful to watch. Um, gorgeously shot. Um, a, a touch pretentious at times, but it was, good. It, was, it was nice to watch, but it was so fucking depressing. Um, I didn't need to see Casey Affleck lurking in the shadows forever. <sighs> I mean, I want to see it. I think I like the idea of it, and I am excited because everyone says how visually impressive it is. But yeah, there's a part of me that's not like rushing to watch it because I mean, it's going to be a downer. I think my my biggest problem was that is like there were so many reviews that were just like a timeless story about the cosmic nature of love and a brilliant parable about existence, and I'm like, no, this is just fucking sad. This is like the Buddhist version of hell just never ends. I mean, don't be wrong. I'm into fucking sad. Like, I'm okay with that. Listen to the Smiths a lot, so so am I, I guess. <laughs> but th- there's well, a point when I'm like, there's like sad, and then there's like, there's like sad into, quote, Morrissey, it could all end tomorrow, mm-hmm. or it could go on forever. Sure. And this goes on forever. And oh it sucks. God. And it sucks. But I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I'll I'll have to wait till I watch it and then let you know. But I I, I forgot. The one other thing I wanted to mention, I did see, uh, speaking of ghost stories, Personal Shopper. Oh, yes. Which is a film that if I didn't follow people on film Twitter, I wouldn't know it was a horror movie or at least a ghost movie. I watched a little bit of it. I watched the scene where Kristen Stewart masturbates and I was like, let me rephrase that. My grandfather and I watched the scene where Kristen Stewart masturbates, and I was like, you're going to change the channel, Pappy. We can watch something else. Oh, my gosh. So it's really good. I really, really liked it. Um, shit. Another movie that I forgot to review on Letterboxd, and now I'm realizing it's not on my list, and I should want to put it on Here my we go. list for the year. Edit number fucking 47. I know. Part of my issue is I keep Letterboxd for this very reason, but then I forget to use it, and mm-hmm. then I didn't review it on letterbox so okay. that it's not on my list uh i thought it was great uh it, again i i said a horror movie it's not a horror movie it's a ghost story and there's probably a time in our lives where i could say a ghost story is a horror movie and that would be sufficient but i think if i say now it's a horror movie and someone puts it on they're expecting to be scared yes i don't think it's particularly scary i think okay. there's one or two tense moments that i actually was surprised i went in expecting it to be not tense at all okay so there's one or two tense scenes and i'm like ooh, this is actually kind of creepy so that was joyous for me yeah i wasn't expecting it to be creepy at all but i really liked it and it makes me uh, i'm told i would like other films this director has done uh like um what movie is it uh he's also done he also did that clouds of silmaria movie and uh what else did he do anyways point is is that he's done a number of things and I've been recommended to see the things, and I have not tried to. So now, what, what movie are you talking about right now? Personal Shopper. Oh, Personal Shopper. Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh my God! How did you lose the thread that easily? I don't know because I, I'm an idiot. Because I'm fucking stupid. You're not stupid. Oh, Justin. Yes, Personal Shopper. The guy who directed. I keep saying guy. It could be a woman for all I fucking know. I don't know. The person who directed Personal Shopper has directed a number of uh, movies. <laughs> 
they've all been recommended to me and for some weird reason i have not made the effort to check them out and now i'm thinking like yep, i should i should do that that should be the thing i do um yeah so if you get a chance i would definitely recommend that and it definitely falls into the yeah clouds of sils maria and uh oh parish oh yeah, yeah. Carlos, I've oh, actually nice. seen Carlos, and Irma Vep, which I've also seen. Actually, it turns out, looking at this list, I'm kind of familiar with this person's output. <laughs> ah! But I have not seen Clouds of Sils Maria, which is the most recent one before Personal Shopper, and I hear is super good. So, um, But uh, Irma Vep is, I watched it when I was in college for my French film class. Ah, uh, yeah. You took one French film class? It's funny, I thought you would have majored in French film. You're such a piece of Old shit. Liam La O'Donnell. The thing about that French film class, too, is that, like, it was not... It was, like, a history of French film class, so it wasn't even, like, pretentious appreciation of artsy movie. It was just, like, this movie is important for this reason, so we're watching it. So some of them were, like, not really that great movies. See, whenever I think French film, I automatically think, like, yeah, okay. But then when I really think about it, I'm like, what French movies do I know? I think I know like the French extreme films and then French New great. Wave. Yeah, those are also good. Which I both don't mind. So I'm yeah. like, what's my... When, when I, like, well, and the thing with Irma Vep is it's really weird, the concept of it, because it's about, uh, it's about a woman remaking... There's a very famous... Uh, very famous. There's a very famous, at the time, silent film series called La Vampire. That was actually about a, a gang, a gang of thieves that called themselves the vampires, but they weren't vampires. Mm. So Irma Vep is about a woman who's an actress who's remaking those movies. And then, like, if I remember correctly, no, I haven't seen this since college. So film experts out there don't fucking crucify me. But I think she, like, starts stealing things to, like, get into the character or something like that. Interesting. But we had to watch Le Vampire in that French film class because it was so influential on people, whatever. So I watched, like, six hours of this silent serial thing, and it was not for me. I'm not. I, silent film, you know, the... whatever. What, what's the the Nosferatu movie? It's not Nosferatu, right? Nosferatu is silent. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, originally it was. I've only I've only ever seen it with a live orchestra. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, we should move on to our actual topic. Uh, uh, real quick, I just want to ask you a question. Yeah, please. Before we go any further. Yes. I posed this question on our friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Justin Abney. He does the Horrified podcast out of Chicago, and this is a very specific. I couldn't post this on on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that because I honestly truly believe that you were the only other person out of all of my friends who would understand this. I posed this question. They had like a listener thing and it's like what would you rather have del toro's at the mountains of madness Mm -hmm. an apocalypse now style film about chop tops time in vietnam or a full-length version worth of material from youth of today's disengage era what which one what he's easily del toro's mountains of madness okay you are forgetting a very important fact about me which is you don't like youth of today (laughs) i it's not that I completely don't like Youth of Today. That's a different thing. It's that I think Ray Capo is an overrated vocalist. Okay. So, like, for I would love. It's not that I wouldn't want what you're describing the um, falling ver- yes. you know, from Disney. That'd be great. I love I love Youth of Today in a, in a certain sense, but I do think Ray Capo is not a great vocalist. Uh, I think he's overrated, and uh, I don't think Del Toro's overrated. So getting Del Toro's in the Mountains of Madness would be amazing, and I have no, there's no downside for me. And it would make Lovecraft spin in his grave to know that a swarthy, 
non-pure-blooded gentleman was making his, his magnum opus out of his magnum opus. Yeah, that's true, actually. So that would be pretty great. But, I mean, yeah, part of part of my issue there is would be that. And then what was the other one again? A Apocalypse Now-style film about Chop Top's time in Vietnam. I'm not as sold. I'm not against it, but I'm not as in love with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as you are. Okay. So I like Chop Top a lot, but do I need another Chop Top movie? It wouldn't be a Chop Top movie. That would be an Apocalypse Now-style film. It would be real. Okay. But then why have it be about Chop Top? Because he's got a brother back at home he's worried about. But there's already an Apocalypse Now style film. It's called Apocalypse Now. Not about Chop Top. Oh, my God. Again, you're losing me here. All right. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about 1980s Christmas Evil. (laughs) Good boys, Scotty. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book. I'll bring you something horrible. We hope all the boys and girls out there have been good this year, don't we, Bill? We sure do. (laughs) I have something for you. I have superlative taste. and we are back to talk about 1980s christmas evil so written by lewis jackson and directed by lewis jackson and starring oh god damn it liam you got the worst a toy factory worker mentally scarred as a child upon learning santa claus is not real suffers a nervous breakdown yeah, but who's, okay, a little so, at work and then barks on a yuletide killing spree starring brandon maggart diane hull andy fenwick brian neville joe jamrog that sounds made up jeffrey demun and fucking jeffrey demun this movie gus salute oh i don't care about anyone in this movie but jeffrey demun and brandon brian maggart. hardigan so this Lance movie holcomb Lance Holcomb. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a uh, Brock, Brock Rockwell, or <laughs> Holcomb. It damn near killed him. So this movie, uh, I'll be honest. When Liam suggested this, this just sounded to me like another one of those like Christmas horror movies that have like a the gimmick is in the name. Like they were just like this movie is going to be like a by the book slasher, but the title is going to be a pun upon something Christmas, mm-hmm. like Jingle Kills or Santa Slay. Or Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, I'm just saying, Christmas Evil is pretty great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I put to you, I think this might be better overall. Not as influential, but I think this movie might be better than Black Christmas. Wash your mouth out with soap. I mean, it's okay. Okay. Let me back that up. 
I like this movie a lot, and and I anticipated you not liking it. So the mode I wanted to go into this podcast with is being like, "You're full of shit. Christmas Evil is one of the best." Blah, blah, you blah. combative motherfucker. That was like my hope, and but, I fucking turned the tables on you. Well, I yeah, the and, and now comparing it to Black Christmas, which is as we've sort of established on here, definitely like my favorite. One of my favorite slashers. I mean, yeah. It's, and it rivals, for me, Halloween. Yes. It's definitely the proto-slasher. You can hear what we think about it on I, last year's Christmas episode. I mean, here's the thing. Unlike you, I like slashers. And what I like about Christmas Evil is the ways in which it's not a slasher. It's not a slasher at all. And so um, uh, it's hard for me to say it's better than Black Christmas. I would say instead that it's very different, that it's an entirely different kind of movie. That's what people always say when they don't, they don't want to admit that they're wrong. They say it's different. Oh, my God. Point being is that I like them both. And I'm just glad that you liked Christmas Evil because I, I, I will agree with you that in general, <laughs> holiday horror films are not always very great. In fact, it's it's weird that it's I very can rare that I, they're great. Yeah, it's kind of weird that I can name at least two, maybe even four Christmas horror movies that I think are like all time classics. I can name four right off the top of my head. Are you ready? Yeah. One, The Mothman Prophecies. Two, Get The Mothman Prophecies. Yeah. Three, The Mothman Prophecies. And four, The Mothman Prophecies. So I can't believe how far Chris, off the rails. Christmas we're going Evil. Right now. Christmas Evil is the story about. Um, opens up and we see. Uh, Santa Claus, he comes down the chimney, and he... But does he come down the chimney in the beginning? No, he just... He just, well, he just walks in. It's just dad. He's just dad. And you see these two boys, our main character, Harry, and his younger brother, Philip, um, they're on the steps with their mom, and, like, they're, like, invisible. Like, Santa Claus doesn't see him, and they're, they're seeing Santa, like, put the presents there, and it's this, like, little cute little scene, and then Santa, he, he, he takes his cookies and milk, or so I'm led to believe, and he, he eats them, and he leaves the presents, and then he's like, oh, I'm out of here. And then, later that night, um... I forget exactly why, but Harry, our hero, sort of. <laughs> no, I'll go and say Harry's a hero. I'll say Harry. Harry's a champion of the working class, and we'll get there in a minute. He sneaks back downstairs, and he sees... Now, this kid... I'm just going to say this before I go any further. This kid is too old to be believing in Santa. I'm just going to put that... I'm going to throw that into the wind. It's hard to say. It's hard He's... to say how old they are. And it's back in the day. Okay. People were dumb back in the People... day. Back in the day, the point is, is that like his, the 50s we're talking his about. younger brother is like, that's not fucking Santa. He his younger like Jeffrey Demun brother is like, Santa's not real. That's our father. That you know was that, dad. Right? That was like, the, no, it's not. He's not dad. So he goes down there, and what does he see? He sees his dad still dressed as Santa Claus, about to chow down for old glory on his mom in front of the fireplace. I mean, he's. I mean, the movie doesn't show actual cunnilingus, but you're led to believe that what the kid is seeing is basically cunnilingus. That like. That, it's, that Santa Claus is, is going to town. Ian the pee. Yeah, it's Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, yeah. And and He's, and so this I, now okay. So from this, just this much information, this is such a nineteen early nineteen eighties slasher thing. Later on, we get slashers who are the victims of horrible crimes. Yes, who have actual grudges. But this is the setup for a few movies where. Um, Harry's just had a weird thing happen, a weird psychosexual thing happen. Which is actually kind of what happens to serial killers in real life. Uh, sure, it, might, you know be I mean? more, like, this it is... might be more accurate, but I'm just saying as a film viewing audience, right? Yeah. There's so much similarity here to say like a pieces or 
you know what I mean? Like someone might, or, or a sleepaway camp. Yeah, yeah. Although yeah. you could say sleepaway camp is a little more justified in a way. Yeah. Uh, but the point being is that uh, this might be a theme that you're not stoked on. But let me go ahead and say he doesn't then, as an adult, go. I must murder sluts, sir. You know no, what no, I mean? There's like that that happens in these movies, and that's not what happens. But it is a little weird that he's like, "Oh, my mom is engaging in sexual congress with Santa Claus. Now I must uh, enact Santa's <laughs> dastardly will." You know, well, it's not really dastardly; it's justified. The it's whole movie. totally. It, I mean, okay. So let's let's. So then he grows up, and he is. He's into Santa, let's say. He's into Santa. He's into Christmas. He keeps a nice list and a naughty, naughty list of like neighborhood children, which is weird. Not to there, that. There is a voyeuristic aspect. There, to it's this. very weird. He keeps lists of like what these kids have done that's that's good and bad. There's one kid. His list is like he like touches himself or some shit like that. He like watches pornography. There's a scene where the kids like looking at or uh, penthouse, and he's like he looked at a dirty magazine. Like he's definitely like a creepy man, and th- that is in no way sympathetic. Or uh, cool at all. Like, that's definitely like, okay, this man has legitimate problems. There are things that this guy does in the movie that other characters in the movie may see as bad that we, the viewer, are like, no, that's actually kind of awesome that he does this shit. The stuff he does with the little kids is not. It's very creepy. Um, So his day job, he's like like a desk jockey executive for this, like, toy company. But they kind of make it clear that he was once one of the guys on the floor. Now yeah, he's kind of he moved just, up. He just got promoted, and it's clear that the other middle management people are these fucking Ivy League douche nozzles. Fucking bourgeois And he's the only working class guy who worked his way up. But the tragedy of this movie is is that he has moved up from the working class. So the working class is, yeah, fuck Harry. He sold us out. He's not one of us anymore. But then you have the other fucking bourgeois people who are like... The, he's not one of us either. He's still one of the proletariat. He's still one of the, the, proletariat. the proletariat worker bees. So he's a man without. He, he's like he's like he feels a definite sense of alienation. Yeah, and he has his brother still in his life, but he's alienated from his brother too. It's pretty clear that his brother thinks he's like a childish. But the irony idiot. is that his brother thinks that. But I I got the sense that his brother's family is like ah, it's Uncle Harry. Like he's kind of a cool. Well, guy. the kids love him. I yeah. Mean, they, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to get to the subtext so quickly, but I think what what I'm going to say the subtext really is, is that um, if Santa is anything like how we describe him, is he that different than Harry? I mean, literally all Harry really introduces into the mix is murder. Yeah, it's like a combination of like the Krampus and Santa Claus without the, the goat. Yeah, and so of course the kids love him. All the kids love him. It's not, I mean, that's important to say. He is watching the kids, which is creepy. But at no point does he go, oh, little... Tommy masturbated. Now I got to cut his wee wee off. It's but the l- fact is, is that's what Santa Claus does to the logical extent of sure, he sure, sees sure. When sure. you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So to that extent, the kids love him because he's good natured in a way. Yeah. And he wants good things for them, and he puts this sort of persona out there in the world. So everywhere he goes, kids seem to like him. Yeah. But his brother, sort of rightfully and wrongfully, rightfully in that, in a logical sense. He should be concerned for Harry. Harry is fucked up. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a not logical, emotional sense, we're never given any reason to empathize with Philip. The whole movie, no. until the end, Philip's just a dick. He's an asshole. He has a right to be concerned about his brother. He does not have a right to be like his. Okay. He's very really dismissive. His Yeah, he's dismissive and like 
unreasonably hostile towards his brother. His wife is the one who's like, you should really see how your brother's doing. You know what Com- I mean? She's compassionate. Exactly. And the kids are like, yeah, Uncle, Uncle Harry, he's pretty cool. And the wife's like, you know, we should see, you know, your brother hasn't called. Like on Thanksgiving. Yeah, like what's going on with your brother? Yeah. And he's like, oh, gives a fuck. He's a weirdo. He fucking needs to grow up. Um, which, I mean, is honestly not a far cry from how I talk about my brother. So I should, really shouldn't badmouth him too much for this. Um, but eventually in this movie, it, it's led to where Harry has a complete mental breakdown and fully embraces the persona of Santa. And um, so he starts dressing up as Santa. And Christmas Eve night, he goes out. He gives um, bags or boxes of dirt to like the bad little boys. He lurks in the bushes. He does a bunch of creepy shit. And then he goes and visits his his brother's children. And he brings them a plethora of gifts. Um, and he murders a co-worker. He murders his like, shitty co-worker. Um, well, okay. There's two other things that are important to point out. When we are describing him having this break, the break that oh, yes, he has yes. is related to injustice in the world. And part of that is a kind of 80s moralism about all these people are celebrating Christmas by, like, getting drunk and fucking. Yeah, and So yeah. there is a bit of a puritanical thing going on. However, it's important to notice that it's not just the puritanical, and I think you were saying this before, it's also the greed of the rich. Yeah. That, like, part of what he does is he finds out that only a portion of the toys for his business, the, he works for a toy factory, and they're doing this charity, and only some toys are going to these disabled children. And a, yeah. Uh, and- which, by the way, if you are, uh, trigger warning, if you see this movie, liberal use of the word retard. Yes. Uh, which, you know, excuse me for using it, but they use it a lot. And I think um, if you weren't ready for it, that might set you off a little bit. But the point is, is that they're supposed to be giving these toys to this home for these people who are physically and mentally challenged. And instead, they're not. They're only giving some toys. And my man is like, fuck that shit and just robs the whole factory, it's takes great. all the goddamn toys and then just drives up. He's got a van full of toys. Yeah. And the, at first, people at the home are like, who are you and why should we not? We're going to call cops? security. Who the fuck are you? But then once they figure out he's just got toys, they're like, oh, OK, cool. And they just yeah. take all his toys. And I mean, it's it, it's 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 fucked up because like they see this like um, he gets a notification that they're going to be giving some of these toys to the people of the hospital. And then his supervisors are like, all right, everyone, we have to work harder so that we can give these toys to people. And he's just like, yeah, but why do we have to work harder? Like, right. you already have the fucking toys made. Right. Why don't you just take it out of your own pocket instead yeah. of demanding that, like, we work harder? Like, yeah. you're not doing anything. Um, For those of you involved in labor disputes, what that, what that is called is a uh, is this called a speed up. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where ba- basically your compensation isn't going up, but your work demand is going up. Yes. I think that's called a speed. There might be another term for it, but there's an official term for it where basically it's a way for uh, management to abuse labor, where we're actually forcing you to be more productive while not compensating you. Exactly, anymore. yeah. Um, so Harry seizes the fruit of production and uh, redistrib- redistributes it to the wealth, to the, to the less wealthy. What the fuck am I talking about? The point is, is that he's not, he's not motivated only by this like puritanical, the boys are beating off and everyone's getting fucked, which is like actually sets this film already apart from some other films in which someone goes on a killing spree out of a sense of righteousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like motivated by actual class concerns and justice. Like, yes, he's also a little concerned at the kid across the street who looks at Penthouse, but like, yes, he's also 
<laughs> but all he does, reality. all he does to that kid is leave a bag of dirt. Yeah. Which at the end, who gives a fuck? Fuck that kid. He deserves it anyway. He's yeah, a piece of shit. Yeah, he was. He's also shitty in other ways. The kid is not just jerking off. It's not he, like he's terrible. He's his also parents, a bad. His dad sucks. He's a bad kid. But um, when it comes to the murder. The murder happens to monster. Now, to be fair, he goes to this church, I think, to murder his boss. Which is awesome. And some other posh assholes are dicks to him. They start making fun of him. And this is the first indication that like we shouldn't empathize with I mean, we should empathize with Harry, we shouldn't sympathize with Harry. I, I think is the decision I'm gonna make. In other yeah, words, yeah, yeah. he's not balanced. And it's not okay that when some fucking collar up eighties, you know, yuppie Talk, starts talking shit he just murders him that's actually i don't think the film is like nah that's cool when harry murders that guy but it's clear that he's not he's not just murdering any old person for any no, for he's no reason murdering people who have the means to actually make to better the world and it, it's telling that like when he goes to a a a, 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 a christmas party for his co-workers his working class co-workers they're all happy to see him they're like hey it's santa come on in have a drink with us no to be fair those are random people he doesn't know I, either way okay that actually works better for yeah, yeah. he's just out on the street yeah they see him and they go come on in and he just goes sure and just becomes fucking Santa. yeah he is so santa claus in that scene it's amazing but when he goes to this church where there are like rich well-off people they're like look at this fucking asshole hey saint nick Where's your toys? The, the movie does seem to have a thesis about Santa Claus, which is like Santa Claus and even the hope of Christmas in the form of Santa Claus is for the poor. Yes. Now, you could actually analyze that to an extent for those of you who are political minded people to say like Santa Claus and Christmas is one of the ways that the rich control the poor. But the movie isn't trying to get that deep with it. It's just trying to point out like, of course, rich people don't give a fuck about Santa Claus. They don't really care about Christmas. All they care about is like money. Yeah. Yeah. And so like even when they're in church, like it's really telling the church he goes to is rich people church all yeah, these it's rich a people huge cathedral and they don't give a fuck like they, the shot of them in the church is to me theologically more interesting than actual movies about jesus oh yeah because it's like oh here's rich people at church look at how bored they are yeah and how little they give a fuck about christmas there's no they don't need any of that shit yeah they're not embracing any sort of the, you know there, there's no um Meaning, yeah, it, they're they're not, and not to get all fucking tacky about the real meaning of Christmas, but there's there's no there's no concern, there's no compassion, there's no like they're just there because like for they have to keep up appearances. For, like, yeah, of course, that's why you know, of course, you go to church on Christmas. Why? Because that's what you do on Christmas. You go to church. There's no there's no bettering themselves. There's no you know how can we make the world a better place? It's all about like let's just go to church because we have to because it's Christmas. Well, and it becomes pretty clear in the film that the way that he becomes Santa Claus sort of points to why Santa Claus matters for him and that Santa Claus, not because of the story of Jesus, but because for him, Santa Claus is such a clear example that there might be something just in the world. Now it's a corny example. You know, you can downplay it all you want, but that's what it becomes for him. That Santa's like, look, when you're good, you get good shit. And when you're bad, you get bad shit. Yeah. And for him, that's like, all of a sudden, that's a solid ground in a world where everything around... I mean, they really do, I think, a good job of showing you that like his world is pretty fucked. It's he's chaotic. Not, he's it's not just an chaotic. asshole. He's not a, a chaotic asshole in a normal world. He is someone looking for normalcy. Yeah. Right. So wait, wait, let me finish what I was saying. Okay. I can just edit it in. <laughs> Sorry, we had some sound issues, everybody. But basically, all I was saying is that... Um, I completely fucking forget. Never mind. <laughs> What was I saying? Santa Claus uh, 
the fucking good and bad. Good needs to be rewarded. Bad needs. To oh, be- what I was saying is that the movie is not about him being chaos in a normal world, but about him looking for normalcy in a uh, morally chaotic world. Yes, that he can't. There's no one. There's no way for him to turn. The only place he could turn is his family, and as they show us. His brother's an asshole. His so brother's a prick. A, that's yeah. not a source of comfort for him. I wouldn't say his brother was like a bad person. I would say no. his, his his brother is definitely like. Um, I kind of get the feeling that that Harry is a difficult person to be in a family with. Um, maybe shit. Maybe he uh, growing up with Harry wasn't the hardest, wasn't the easiest thing to do. Sure. And I have a feeling that like. Uh, what's his brother's name? Phil? Philip? Philip, yeah. Philip, his wife is sympathetic, but I have a feeling that Phil, Philip probably had enough of Harry's bullshit years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he, he really has no place to turn to. Um, his co like we, like, like we established, his coworkers don't take him seriously. They either resent him or they don't take him seriously, like the upper, upper management. Um, so I, I do think that this, 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 him embracing this personification of Santa Claus is his attempt at making uh, of of looking upon the chaos of his world and sort of making a feeble attempt at shaping it into something he can understand. And I think it's telling to me sort of uh, narratively that the movie, Oh yeah. Spoiler alert, whatever the movie ends with him being chased by like a mob. Oh yeah. Literally wielding torches. Yeah. I I mean, granted part of that's related to our anxieties around our children that like he seems dangerous. So we see him with kids and we're like, Oh, he's with the children. Ah!" But I think it's also this idea that like if someone actually was Santa Claus, look, I'm watching everyone and I'm going to punish those who deserve punishment. I'm going to benefit those who, we would absolutely murder them publicly. Oh my God. We would not put up with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. They would, yeah, like, I mean, because I, I think it, it, it does really, because again, anyone who says that what this guy is doing is like creepy and they feel this sense of revulsion, look at what you're teaching your children. Right. And even in, in the, in the past, like, um, in the past decade or so, since the rise of this whole elf in a shell phenomenon, it, oh, sure. It yeah. really makes it even worse. Like, Santa Claus is creepy on his own, but then you introduce this character, this thing that's like, oh, I, I, Santa Claus isn't here, but I fucking am, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you the whole time, and then every night, zoom back to the North Pole to, to, to follow a report with Santa. Like, all of that shit is inherently creepy, and, and I, I think this movie, intentionally or not, is saying, like, the myths that we feed our children are very, very, very weird and, possibly inappropriate yeah it's hard to say like i don't know that the movie has a message about christmas per se but it certainly is trying to creep us out and it's using christmas and sort of because it so effectively uses christmas and santa claus to actually make us uncomfortable we should just acknowledge that that is evidence that christmas is weird and that santa is weird and that this uh, apparently this movie didn't make people as uncomfortable as silent night deadly night which actually had a like a a national protest yeah, but I, 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 I think it was probably just that this movie didn't have the same amount of attention. No, and also I, I think Silent Night, Deadly Night is is a little more um, skeevy. Yeah, it's easier to protest. It makes people it makes people uncomfortable in a way that's easier to pin down. You know, this this makes people uncomfortable in like numerous ways. For one, you got this guy watching your children, and again, I do think this movie makes people th- it, it it asks the viewer to look inside themselves and question what they really value. Sure. Um. But again, it's not, let's be clear, it doesn't do what some modern movies does, which it doesn't valorize his murder. It's, it's not, it's not like when he kills his coworker, for example, it's, 
it is kind of horrifying a little bit. And, and you don't, you see that with the response of his wife. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And the fact that he has to leave with the kids. It's, it's not a movie in which you're like, yeah, Santa, kill all the fuckers. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like that at all. No, it's not. I mean, it, it definitely, it, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't romanticize what he's doing. Like, you're still seeing a broken man who is, you know, in desperate need of help. Um, and it doesn't make it, it, it doesn't, portray it in, 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 in any way that that that's greater than that um at no point are you are you like he's a hero i mean he kind of is I, I guess what he's doing in the sense that he's like bringing it to the to, 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 to the uh to the parasitic to the parasitic ruling class he's he's taking it to him but at the same time he's also like he's killing people which is not fucking cool um it really depends on the people but i mean yeah i mean i'm just kidding <laughs> Um, so yeah, but I, I, I think what the movie does as well is, um, really help you to feel for what he's going through without making a point about it. Like, it's not like when it ends, you're like, oh, well, this is how the system failed Harry. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a thematic in that way, but I do feel kind of bad for him. And it ends in such an interesting way too, with his brother trying to save him, um, and not being able to. Yeah, I mean, I I I think it, it's left open ended. I don't think Philip dies. You know, spoiler: alert, he chokes his brother. He, he physically attacks his brother when his brother's like on Christmas Day when he's like, "You need help." <laughs> like he shows up. Oh and, no, no, he's not dead because he chases after him when he falls down the hill. Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, and in fact, he falls out. The 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 open endedness is um, or people have interpreted open endedness is like he drives the van off a bridge and then the van like flies away. Yeah, I think that's more like um, I think. Harry dies. I think. Oh no, he definitely. There's a yeah. the, the, people miss it, but when his brother falls down the hill, he falls down into this boxes. There's a huge bang. That I believe is his van crashing. Oh yeah, yeah. And then what we see is the van sort of flying off, you know, in in a sort of Merry Christmas version. But I think he's definitely dead at that. It's point. very, it's very um, Radio Flyer esque in the sense that it's like, sure. you know, no, your brother's dead. You're just a mat. You know, we're just seeing like a romanticized version of it. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty good movie. I, really, I, think, I think, again, it's hard with a Christmas. It's so easy to be corny as a Christmas horror it's, movie. It's, it's, easier to be cornier than a, it's easier to be corny than it is to actually be good in a Christmas horror movie. I actually went into this movie thinking, like, it's Christmas Eve. Are you fucking shitting me? Like, it has a pun in the title. You gotta just trust me, man. You I do trust, trust you. Me. And it wasn't originally called that. It was originally called... You oh be- shit! It was called "You Better Watch Out." I think originally, and then the movie we're about to talk about is "Better Watch Out." Yes, that's actually hilarious. It is. It is. I've, I and I actually connected while we were watching. We were watching Christmas Evil. I was like, "Well, through Jeffrey Damon and his films in uh, roles in several Frank Darabont films, I've connected this movie to uh, Better Watch Out because that's what I do." That was me talking, by the way. That was my impression of myself. That's what I sound like in my head. <laughs> Um, I don't have time to go through how I connected it to, 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 to better watch out, but I did. And it was all through the magic of Virginia Madsen. So, um, who actually watched, do you ever, do you remember the movie, the Florentine that they shot here in Easton? Uh, I've never seen it. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's in that. So is Michael Madsen. Um, nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it was just something I watched the other day. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's, that's Christmas evil. Um, I like it more than I like Black Christmas, and I really like Black Christmas. Wow, that is saying a lot. I, I'm going to have to say, okay. Um, 
if you're wondering like okay what about this dude what else has he done this uh lewis jackson guy not much he directed two movies before this the deviates and the transformation a sandwich of nightmares and that's about it it looks like he kind of disappeared after that Um, a worthy filmography uh, apparently he was a producer on the ghouls and a production manager on lila oh no that was before this yeah the only thing that's a newer post christmas evil thing is he was a producer on the ghouls is he still alive yeah it looks like he is thank you lewis jackson yeah, it's. I don't actually know why he didn't direct anything else. Maybe this got a bigger backlash than I realized. But when maybe I was, the fucking liberal elite in Hollywood didn't like what they were seeing, those and they shut them down. Liberals, they fucking shut them down. They were like, "There is not enough free healthcare in this movie," and they shut it down. So that's what happened. Um, yeah, Christmas Evil worth checking out. Uh, if you can find a good copy of it, it's worth watching. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, I hope you guys are ready for the fucking match. The fight of the century between Justin the Deal Lore and Liam, the quote unquote Latin love pump O'Donnell. When we talk about 2016-17's Better Watch Out. Thanks for using my, my full Your true name. Latin yeah. love pump. All right. Okay, we'll be right back. Want to trigger in the mood? Watch your horror movie. Dude, she's like twice our age. I really don't think it's going to happen. She's here. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now, don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So, what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's something there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. They could have called it. They could have called it. Privileged dickhead doesn't get his way, and it would have been oh equally apt. Oh my god! We are back to talk about 2016s or 17s. I don't know. Better watch out. Starring Olivia de Jong. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Levi Miller, Ed Oxenbold, Alex Milek, my man Dacre Montgomery, Patrick Warburton, and Virginia Madsen. Warburton. Warburton. Written and directed by, or written by 
Zach Khan, Zach Khan, and directed by Chris Peckover. <laughs> Peckover, I like that guy's name. The uh, Chris Peckover has only done one other feature, something called Undocumented. I've never heard of. Oh, and Zach Khan has written a bunch for TV, but I didn't really recognize any of the features he had written. Um, so this is a pretty, pretty like fresh out the gate thing for for these guys. I think it was good. Um, it's a Shutter exclusive. Might as well name that. Yeah. Right? So there's. You might have seen it at a festival, but it's not it's, a Shutter exclusive. It's on. I thought it was a Shutter exclusive. No, I think it's on. Oh, it's on Netflix. I believe it's on the Flix. All right. For some reason, I thought it was on. It might have been on Shutter first, and now it's on the Flix. It is on Shutter because I I know. Yeah, it's on Shutter. It's also on Netflix. So they take that, Liam. Okay, so Wait, whatever, the plot of our movie, Better Watch Out, is as follows. Now, this is weird because it doesn't really need this movie. Is It's odd in the sense that it's definitely a Christmas movie, but it doesn't have to take place around Christmas. It doesn't have to be Christmas. This could literally take place on like the 4th of July or whatever. So the plot of this movie is that uh, our main character, Luke, who's We this- should probably say up front that you're, there was probably going to be spoilers. Yes, uh, I'm going to say we don't often issue spoiler warnings, but the twist... This is, is a newer movie, too. This is a newer movie, and the twist was good enough where I'm going to say, definitely turn this podcast off right now and go watch this movie and then come back and listen to us talk about it. So go do that. That's um, fair. So the plot of this movie is that like uh, our main character is Luke, who is like 13, 14. He's a teenager. He's fucking insufferable. Him, oh, and, yeah. his, him and his dickhead friend, Garrett, who is a weedian. And he's not, he's not, he's not John Martello, so I don't like him. <laughs> only Weedy and I like. They're like hanging out and like they're hanging out at Luke's and Luke's parents are going away. Uh, it's Christmas time and their babysitter is Ashley, this like cool older girl who Luke is like in love with. And he's like, tonight's going to be the night I'm going to score because he has no idea how to talk to women. Um, and that fucking shows later in the movie. So Ashley comes over. Uh, they start to see some mysterious spooky shit. Stuff starts to go down and then it's revealed that. There is no intruder, intruders. It's Luke orchestrating the whole thing with Garrett in an attempt to win Ashley's heart. Um, and then it just, it goes horribly astray from there. And we are, we are treated to a stunning display of male privilege and <laughs> fucking, uh, well, actuallyism. Um, and basically like this kid, Luke orchestrates the murder of, uh, literally everyone else in the movie well i think it's it starts off like with one plot and then it does one of those things where there are plots within plots and it becomes pretty clear that even garrett luke's sort of partner in crime he's expendable he doesn't know what's going on no and i i think it's not always clear that luke luke is also playing a little bit i mean he's got a plan but he's but he's also sort of playing the fiddle a little bit here where he's going with the flow and and there is an overarching plan but it's never clear um that he knows exactly what he's going to do next which which is i mean he does but but he's responding to different stimuli as well yeah so i'm gonna say off the front uh, up front i did not like the main actor as a bad guy i wasn't buying i thought he was fine before he made the switch I thought he was fine, but once he became like the cunning sociopath, I was not fucking buying it for a second. Um, that's not to say this kid wasn't a good actor. I'm just saying in portraying like his portrayal of someone who was supposed to be evil was almost laughable um, because even and, and I've, I've read people say like I've read people defended as saying like, well, yeah, he's a kid. He's trying to be he's trying to be tough. He's trying to be evil. Of course he can't. But even once he makes the switch, even when he's just being like when he's like when 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 the mask is dropped 
I just it still wasn't convincing and he just annoyed the fuck out of me like everyone else in the movie was fine I thought the actor who played Garrett was good I thought all the ex-boyfriends were good I thought the act- actress who played Ashley was great it was just this kid in particular there were times when I was like this is like cartoonishly bad disagree strongly well that's what we're here for Leon <laughs> um, okay so the the this is this is sort of my theory about it. I think that uh, Luke's character wants. I think you're right to say that he wants to be evil, or he wants to be this nefarious. Person. He has an idea of what of what a man who gets what he wants should be like, and it's laughable. Totally, but I think to some extent, we, uh, what we're supposed to be getting from his character is this kind of. Um, uh, untrustworthy, sort of manipulative, lying figure. Yeah, and of that, I don't understand how you could not be. I thought he was that entirely. In fact, it would be weird for me to meet Levi Miller because I just assume he is Luke, like so convincing. I wasn't so I, utterly. But you keep using the word evil, and that's my confusion. I don't see anything evil about Levi, um, because. When I think of evil, I think of something much more intentional. You think of evil with a capital E. Yeah. Okay. And for me, he's just uh he's just uh a spoiled, insecure child. See, I wasn't even buying that. Oh, what did you how could you he's I'm saying, so spoiled. I'm saying, he's I un- such a I, fucking I understood that the character was supposed to be irritating. I'm just saying that like when he would like when he would talk to Ashley and he would be like, ha, 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 Ashley, you don't understand that like you're gonna do what I say. And I totally get that that, that was supposed to be bad character. I, I understood that that was supposed to be like this kid has seen like he was acting out like um very Elliot Rogers esque. You know what I mean? In the sense that like he grasped his idea of what like a real man in charge is supposed to be is supposed to be the John McClane. It's supposed to be like the fucking like I have the gun, so I'm the one who makes the rules. And I get that that was supposed to be bad. What rubbed me the wrong way was when he, the way he would talk to like Garrett. You know what I mean? Like that was when it when I was really when I was still just like I'm still not buying it. Like wow, I thought that was actually perfect, especially the ways that. He would, his guard would go down and he would be out of control a little bit and he wouldn't know what to do. And then when he would have little minor victories, which didn't mean anything, he would feel very accomplished. I don't know. I, all that stuff really was convicted to me. There's, I'm saying, like, I, don't be wrong. Like, he's, the character is totally annoying. And he's, to me, I wasn't thinking of like a John McClane tough guy character. I was thinking like a foppish internet dandy in, in a way. Hans Gruber more like, yeah, a little bit. I yeah. was thinking Richard Spencer or okay. Milo. You ever actually seen Milo talk? Yeah, he's a I actually think Levi Miller's performance of Luke is just sort of like the straight Milo. Like okay. 100% like this sort of like self-important, like, look at me, I'm so small. I'll say it was, it, was, it was kind of like not when Milo, like, it's not like Milo when he's, at, when he's speaking at like a, like a young conservatives thing, when he's totally controlled, it kind of reminded me of like Milo when he's like challenged and he knows that the other person knows what they're talking about and they're not going to back down and he just automatically goes to like, whatever snowflake, you fucking libtard, like, um, I could, I, I could see that, but I mean, that's just what I got. I mean, not that I think the movie's political and I think when you were saying this sort of well actually thing, some people might misinterpret that to say like the movie is about that, but I don't think it is, but I do think his characterization or at least the way it's written 
is influenced a little bit by that kind of internet culture. That yeah, he he, he's, like, I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring your ex boyfriends over because you love them and they're assholes to you. Why don't you like me? Sure, you know I'm such a nice guy. It doesn't shouldn't matter how young I am. Sure, you know what I mean. Like there was definitely that sense of like that privileged fucking four chan nonsense where they're just like. I do everything I should, and yet women ignore me. But I think he knew. I I actually get the feeling though that it was more about the that all that stuff was a bit of a performance, and that at some level it's just about the killing. The same way that he killed Garrett's dog. The same way that like he. So you think this is just him using this as like a mechanism to kill? Yeah, she was because I think her being dead. Even though he sort of responds like that's not what he wanted, I think it's what he wanted. I think okay. he was. I think the plan for him to set them all up to kill each other, in the idea that like that's what it would. Look you think like. it was like the power that he was? After. Yeah, okay. it's all about the manipulation I can fuck of with it. that. And I, I, and I think that. that's what's sort of going on, and that's why at the end, because I don't really see a way at the end where his faint again. Hopefully, you guys have watched this already, but. Uh, he can't sleep, and he has to take this crazy sleep medication to go to sleep. Yeah. So he basically sets all this stuff up where, as if there's this sort of uh, murder-suicide thing has gone down, and then he drugs himself so that when the cops come or when his parents come home and then they call the cops, it's like he slept through this murder scenario. Yeah. I don't see how the murder scenario works if she's not dead. Like, like, and 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 uh, again, spoiler here: she doesn't die. That is like, so satisfying. The, oh, I, yeah. I swear to God, at the end, I uh, again, I wasn't like absolutely nuts about this movie, but I will say the ending when they're like, "We got a live one," and they're like wheeling her out, and she just looks up and sees him, gives him the finger. Like, I was like, Ugh, like this is beautiful. That was I like that as well, and I I I think that um, so in other words, and and maybe on rewatch, I'd feel differently about the plotting of it, but. What I felt by the end of the movie was that um, this was always a murder plot and that the the plan, executing on the plan is what he really liked. See, the the, the thing, the problem that I had with it was that like, it, it, I, I, I wasn't, I was buying that he was this sociopathic asshole who was just like venting. Sure, yeah. The, the fact that he was like, it, it just seemed like a little too, like there was too much stuff that was like randomly happening. For it to all be like, I don't think he's like intelligent enough to 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 have worked all this out. Like on the, it, it seemed like a lot of this stuff was he was coming up with on the fly, and but just the details of it, the boyfriends were always going to come up. He had set it up for both of the boyfriends, the current boyfriend and the ex boyfriend, to die. Yeah, that was already in the plan. How does she then not die? Like, I, I guess the thing is, is that yeah, I think he adjusts. Like, definitely the paint can thing was fucking made up. Like that's what I'm saying is, is like how would that like it just seemed like but it doesn't matter that doesn't mean the plan isn't for him to die he just didn't know how that was going to happen yeah but I mean what do we have here do we have the cunning calculating sociopath who's in control of everything at all times or is he like a fucking maniac who just as has the impulses of a child because those I two think, I think I don't know no, no. I think the second one obviously the second one no doubt the second but that's one. what I'm saying is, is they, 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 they rely too heavily on this you know, at the very end when he's running out, he's like, hmm, I love when a plan comes together. And it's like, well, what, what is he? You know, is he like the... I don't see a conflict. I don't, I don't see the conflict that you see in that I think that he responds to the things that happen as long as he gets to... As long as he can get to the part where believably he's... Like, I don't think Garrett is supposed to be there. That was not his plan. That His plan was to eventually send Garrett away. I don't think he was planning to kill Garrett. Okay. But I think the idea is like, as long as the boyfriends are dead... In some sense. Yeah. 
and she's dead, then he can take his pill and he's cool. I think it's the 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 how they died. Obviously, he murders the one guy directly. That's his plan was to hang that guy. In the yeah, guard. That's all set up. My man Chris from uh, Stranger Things. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But the other dude, I think it's it's totally. He has no idea how he's going to do this thing. He knows that dude has to die. That's his plan. He wants him to die, but I don't think he knows how he's going to do it. And I don't think he is planning to shoot Garrett. That's completely unpredictable. He's just responding to what the situation is. And but what I don't see, I think he has to kill her. She's the babysitter. Unless she took a pill too. Yeah. There's no way that she doesn't die. Maybe, I guess I could see your point. If the point of the movie is that he actually thought after murdering her boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend, she was going to fuck him, then I'm with you that like, okay, this doesn't really work well, and his character doesn't really work. I think he just is like, as long as he has his, what he thinks he has that's so smart is the pill. And that's why he highlights the pill keeps coming up in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Is that like, yo, I have an alibi. I'm asleep. So like, whatever happened downstairs, as long as you can't prove that I did it, it doesn't matter. I'm good to go. And everyone thinks I'm this like nice guy. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 it's, it, it's like they portray him. It, it's like there's equal parts portrayal of him as this like young, like cunning, like Patrick Bateman-esque guy who's got everyone fooled and everything happens because he wants it to happen and he's in control of everything around him at all times, which, let me be clear, is cool. That's a fascinating character. Someone who has the entire world fooled and they're fucking monsters. But then we also have him as this like, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm still not buying that the, that the two that like I'm still not buying that he is both of these, uh, of, of 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 he has both these qualities where he's in control at all times and yet he's I'm gonna shoot Garrett. I'm gonna fucking smash this dude's face with a fucking paint can and somehow like the plan's gonna come together. Like that's all part of it. I don't know. I just I mean I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. It's just I don't. I just logically don't understand what you're saying. And I guess we're just gonna disagree here because. I don't think the movie portrays him at any point as being the guy in control who has everything figured out. I have that never comes across to me at all. I think he has a plan and I think he adjusts the plan to new things coming up. That's what I'm saying is like it seems But like every time he has to do that, he he basically his voice cracks and he almost cries like a little baby child, the same way a kid would. That was the most believable part of the movie for me. Okay. It's like it's like we're both eating the sandwich. And I'm like, the best part of the sandwich is this roast beef. Well, okay, you're vegan. It's like we're both eating this pasta. Okay. And I'm like, the best part of the pasta is the garlic. And you're like, I just don't find the garlic believable. And I'm like, what do you mean? The garlic is so good. You're like, but somehow it's both garlicky, but it's also kind of garlicky. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Justin? Okay. <laughs> well, wouldn't the pasta be better if there was like no flavor? And I'm like, I don't. Know I would what never you say mean. that. That's a terrible metaphor. I would never say that. <laughs> in, in other words, I think that what makes his performance more believable for me is the fact that he's not some mastermind who's totally in control. He is pretending like hey, I got it all figured out, but it's pretty clear like he doesn't have it all figured out. He has some good ideas like not having the gun be loaded and everyone just believes it's loaded. See, I or... don't think the movie made it clear that 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 he wasn't in control of it at all times. I don't think the movie made it clear. Oh, I felt like it was really clear. I felt like that's what the movie was sort of about in a way. Whatever. Oh, point is, let's 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 say this. Uh, Olivia DeJong is pretty good. I don't know who she is. I've never heard of her. Everyone before. is good in this movie except for Levi Miller. You really think so? Let me think about this. Okay, so which is the dude who's in Stranger Things? Dacker Montgomery. 
he's the guy who gets hung. He was awesome. I mean, he was in it for like two minutes, but he played such a convincing like, like. Oh right, this guy, dickhead, fucking. You know, I got my car modded out. Like, I got a spoiler. Like, where's she at? And they're like, he's like, be quiet. You're gonna wake the neighbors. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't know. I wasn't feeling him that much. I mean, he was fine. Uh oh, and Alex Mickick, who has been in what? Nothing, probably. He played Ricky, the uh, the yeah, ex boyfriend. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He hasn't been in much. I don't. I you know, I thought he was all right. I uh, but I I you know, I thought uh, I thought Olivia Dejong was pretty good. I like Ed Oxenbold. Uh, like Garrett, yeah. He, they were both in the visit, which I still haven't watched. The, the visit. The visit. You know the um. M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, they Shyamalan. played brother and sister in The Visit. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's cool, I guess, that they were in a movie again together. Um, I kind of like the dynamic between Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen. Like, that was cool. It was kind of creepy, Patrick Warburton, the way he was, like, talking to the babysitter. Yeah. Like, that was, like... Ugh. Yeah, but, I mean, that helps sort of get the idea of, like, this the is creepy what, dynamic this is what Luke of their sees. family. Like, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, This yeah, is what yeah. Luke was raised around. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think the Luke, I guess what, I guess what it boils down to is that, um, it's, I mean, let's both admit it's not a great movie. No, I mean, this isn't like, this argument is not like, I think we're talking about Rocky and you think we're talking about fucking, uh, meatballs, (laughs) meatballs. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not what this, uh, I think it's just whether this performance works or not. I think the performance works for me partly because, I don't think there's a lot to the movie. I, it's just sort of a fun thing, and and I kind of believed him as this like uh, too smart for his own good, prepubescent kid who thinks he has everything figured out. And most of the movie is only kind of on top of things. Like he has some good ideas, but I don't feel like he really knows what's going on. He's just sort of trying to keep up with it. But he has a few aces up his sleeve, which the first one being. No one knows exactly how much of a monster he is. Yeah. The only person who comes close is Ashley, because she knows, well, he did kill Garrett's dog. Yeah. Which is not a good look. I do like the fact that it was sort of like, they they sort of started the movie out where it was like, you know, if you remember in The Babysitter, how like he and he and Ashley had this like sort of like babysitter-esque relationship where they were like best buddies and they're friends and they do cool shit and they're like, sure. They're, and then... And then it's revealed that she's just like, no, I always knew you were a fucking creep. You know, I right. hate being around you. You're disgusting. Like, you yeah. make my skin crawl. Yeah. Like, I really like how she covers that up so well in the beginning when he's like, they're just like hanging out. And she's like, well, if you were older, I would date you. And it was like, you look back and you're like, oh, she's just fucking diffusing the time bomb. Like, that's right. what that, that's all that was. There was no real connection there. She was aware of how much of a fucking creep he was the whole time. I, I, I like that. I thought that was that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess what it boils down to, too, is I think you found not just that it wasn't believable, but you found his performance kind of grating. Yeah. I not think- in a good way. Not in, not in the way that, like, what's his face in Cinderella Man, who played Max Bear, who's what like... What the fuck? No, but you know what? Okay, have you seen Cinderella Man? No, yeah, I know. It's just such a but, random pull. It but, was a random pull. Exactly. So, but you know what I mean? Like, Max Bear is, like, cartoonish, but he's a great villain. Sure. You're supposed to hate him. You're supposed to, you know, like... You don't think you're supposed to hate Luke? I do. I just think it was a bit. I just. I, I just. It. It, it rubbed me the wrong way. It literally. It didn't rub me the right. Right. Right way that like Ivan Drago did. And I'm gonna stick with this boxing motif. I mean, I, I do love getting rubbed the right way. Uh, who doesn't? 
<laughs> but uh, it just I don't like I, I, and I feel I, I feel like I think I might be and I'm not I'm not going to be like I don't give a fuck what anyone says I'll say what I want I do feel that like I'm the outlier in this like I haven't the the, the final girls did their Christmas episode on this and I deliberately didn't listen to it because I didn't want it to I'm probably gonna listen on the drive home tonight um, I don't know how they felt about it uh, I'm trying to think of of someone else who of anyone else who I know who watched this movie I'll probably think of it but. I, I do suspect that I'm a bit of an outlier, um, and I'm not making that as like a point of pride or anything like that. If anything, it makes me a little sad because I want to connect with more people about this. But yeah, I just I did I didn't this kid's performance. It really, really, it really I I, I wasn't fucking nuts about it. Hmm. Certain aspects of it. Again, it didn't make or break the movie for me. I actually really enjoyed the movie overall. Yeah, it I mean, was just him was like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, and I and I and I don't want to get too like defensive about it uh, in that. I didn't love, love the movie. It was just like, you know, I think we both feel this way that like with modern horror, like no one, I, I don't think either one of us believe anyone is going to make the thing. No. I guess they did remake the thing, but you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's not a remake, William. It's you know what I mean? Motherfucker. You know what I mean? The point is, is none of us are convinced that a new movie is necessarily going to be amazing. And then when they are, something like The Witch... We're pleasantly surprised because it's like, oh, this is a new movie and it's really great. I and mean, it's I, I, I have a little more faith in modern horror than you do, sure, but sure, I understand sure, what sure, you're sure. saying. And, but but I say that to say, so maybe my bar's a little low for something like Better Watch Out and whatever. Uh, so I don't want it to be like, no, Better Watch Out is this masterpiece and fuck you if you don't appreciate it. But I did like it and I and I particularly thought his performance was pretty fun. I feel like in a theater at a fest, which I think a lot of people that I know saw it that way. Yeah. It would be a fun movie to see. Like, yeah, I mean, that twist maybe, is not, maybe not the summer. It'd be a better Christmas movie. But. That twist was amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't see it. They, the part where you think she, there is an actual killer in the house is filmed pretty well. It's yes. like pretty effective. It's very and, tense. And, and uh, so I really appreciated that aspect of it. But, um, I don't know. It worked for me. It's fun. It's, you know, I guess, I guess my hesitation on really getting into it is like, and it's like so great is I did like the twist and I did like the ending, but I could see someone seeing the film and, and feeling like it's a little too winky. Like it's a, like maybe just a little too like, <laughs> gotcha. You know, like, yeah. Oh, we figured something out was so smart. Like I could see that getting on someone's nerves, but for me, I just had fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what I had with it. So that was, uh, that was, that was better. Watch out. And uh, I guess that's our Christmas episode recorded on New Year's Day. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. I mean, okay, so to be fair, I think we're still in Christmas time. For at least another six hours. Oh, so you're basing it on when kids have to go back to school. No, I'm basing on January 2nd. That's when, well, in the 12 days of Christmas. January 5th is the little epiphany, so we're... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's what I was going on. Christmas time is the 12 I, I, days of Christmas. I love how like we're getting all like, the, well, well, actually, when the wise men showed up. They're Yo, I talk about this all the time. This is why Christmas sucks, because we spend all of Advent jerking off about right? toys and shit. Right? No one celebrates the, the epiphany. Then Christmas comes. It's never that exciting, because yeah. you've been jerking off. If you start twiddling your special area mm-hmm. your soft on bits. Thanksgiving, only to expect climax on Christmas... Why are we so surprised that so many people are like, I don't know, Christmas is kind of depressing. It's like, yeah, because you've been on a fucking adrenaline high Mm -hmm. for over a month, and then you're like, oh, wait, it's not actually that great. 12 Days of Christmas, my true love gave to me. They didn't pull that song out of their ass, people. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Yuletide, god damn it. No one cares about this. This no. is like such this a This is me and you, everyone. like, whatever. This is what I care about. This is, you know, this is the... I just don't want to go back to work tomorrow. That's what I'm trying to I, say. I have to go back to work anyway, so... Yeah, you you didn't get off. I, got, I, I literally, my day's off for Sunday and Monday, so this is any other week for me. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, so, um... If you guys are listening to this, you can send in your best your 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 best horror movies of the year, top five, top ten, honorable mentions, whatever. You can send it to us on Twitter. I'll post about this on Twitter. You can you can contact me on Facebook. You can send it to the Harbiz at gmail.com. The har the harbiz at gmail.com. Um if you have any ideas for movies, you just want to say what's up, feel free to send us an email as well. Uh you can check out uh other episodes we did of this and some of our other podcasts over at ww.cinepunks.com. Uh, there's information there on how you can subscribe to our Patreon. Um, this will always be a free show, but we do appreciate any little thing you guys can throw our way. Um, Give us some money, fuckos. I wasn't going to say that, but there it goes, Liam. Um, there's also there's we have we have a, a stuff to buy now. We have T-shirts, pins, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and remember, go to iTunes and rate, review, rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Um, we'll be back shortly. I mean, well, not this episode's over. <laughs> we'll be back with another episode shortly. Um, and as always, thank you for listening. And stay spoopy. Bye. Don't talk, just listen. Under the black sun, there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinefunks Podcast Network.